1990s, corporate responsibility has become firmly rooted in all sorts of businesses. But now we're in leaner years and there's a crisis of trust in business. So where does that leave corporate responsibility and what does a more responsible approach to business actually look like these days? Joining me in the debate today, we have industry experts Marcus Jameson Pond, who's director of Three-Legged Stool and founder of the Convergence Network. Mark Wakefield is Corporate Citizenship and Corporate Affairs Manager at IBM UK. And Marie Sigsworth is Group CR Director at Aviva. Now, Marcus, I mean, as I said, we've seen a lot of organisations put a lot of money into CSR in the 90s, the good years of the early 2000s. But in the banking crisis, even those banks with good CR suffered reputational damage. BP suffered when it had its oil crisis, regardless of the money it put into that. Is that money actually earning its place on the budget? Well, it's, it's interesting. When I first worked in CSR, which was five, six years ago, uh, my first role as a CSR manager, I had no budget at all. And I was given the brief, if you want to do things, go out and find the money from elsewhere. Um, so I think it can be done on a fairly lean budget. Um, but obviously there has been huge investments over the last few years that uh, various businesses have made in CSR. Um, I think it's certainly raised awareness. Um, obviously times are uh, tough now, and um, I think it's fair to say that a lot of businesses are retrenching, and as a result of that, budgets are being cut. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's straight in times there's always a temptation to regard things like this as marginal, isn't there? Are you mm. seeing that a lot? I think so, although uh, I always had the belief that uh, a business would never throw away its values, um, even when times are tough, and in many respects CSR is all about managing the values of the business. Marie, would you say there's an argument for saying that corporate responsibility is even more important now than in the good times. You know, this widening gulf between rich and poor trust in companies is at an all-time low. Absolutely. I I agree with that. I think the the comment about um, retrenching budgets, um, we found we've invested more in our CR budget, certainly over the last year, and more has been invested in CR. But that's because we're increasingly making it part of the business and so making it part of our business strategy and embedding it in our business strategy. So it's become part of who we are and what we do. So actually, to be a responsible business and to, and in bad times, that's very, very important to make sure that you are acting responsibly so your business is sustainable for the long term. That's what your customers need. That's what's important. So that strategy of embedding it as a core activity rather than an add-on, presumably that springs from the idea that societal expectations are changing. Uh, yes, I guess so. I think one of the one of the things that we focus on, one of our material issues, what's important to us as a business, is building trust, and and being transparent in the way that we operate. So again, that's a societal issue, something that we've seen over the last few years becoming more and more of an issue. So we're very much focusing on that, and and our CR strategy focuses on that in particular. And we should probably make clear at this point we're talking about a whole range of stakeholders here, aren't we? Absolutely. Not just investors. No, absolutely not just investors. So we work with both our supply chain, investors, yes, our employees, our customers, um, and governments around the world. So Potential employees, presumably, yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Attracting and retaining talent, again, a very important part of what the CR team is there to do. But that also makes the link, very important link, with the HR team as well. Yes, we'll come back to that later. I want to ask Mark, 
I don't know whether you've seen that research from the Institute of Business Ethics, but they take the view that companies that take ethics seriously have a measurable competitive advantage. This isn't just touchy-feely niceness. They outperform the others in terms of stock market and accounting performance. Now, why do you think that is? Certainly our CFO globally would aspire and agree to that statement. Um, he believes that corporate social responsibility or corporate citizenship, as we call it, contributes directly to the bottom line. And I think you know, when we look at corporate responsibility, it's not just about reputation. It is about managing some of the risks that you as a business face, but it's also about new business opportunities. And I get, think there's increasing evidence uh, in businesses that if they manage their corporate citizenship effectively, then that throws up new market opportunities, as well as demonstrating that you're a business worth working with. Is it also something about the mindset of the people at the top of the business that perhaps CEOs who will invest in this idea are CEOs who take a longer-term view anyway? Certainly, um, the investment analyst community would regard uh, effective corporate social responsibility as being a good proxy indicator of management effectiveness. So if the leadership at the top buy into it, endorse it, support it, and are seen to really live it. It's not just a question of espousing it, but actually living the values, living the strategy, practicing it, communicating it. Then, yes, that gives you some confidence that the business that you're working with is a, a well-managed organisation. Is that the experience of, of all of you, that investors are really taking this view now? Yeah, very much so. I mean, we meet regularly, or I meet regularly, with um, investors in Aviva, institutional investors in Aviva, talking to them about what we're doing on this agenda and how we are embedding it in our business. And they are increasingly interested in how the company is responding to the environment in which it finds itself in. So I think, yes, very important for our investors. We also, um, two years ago, put our CR report to the vote at the AGM, an advisory vote at our AGM. And again, that was designed to get feedback from not only investors, but also the broader marketplace in terms of what we were doing. Were we doing the right things? Were we focusing on the right things to make Aviva a sustainable business? And it really just comes down to a simple question of, is this a business that you want to do business with? Do you trust them? Do, they, do you share their values? Do they have the values that you aspire to? And let us not forget that in terms of our employees, we talk about society as though it's something different and separate from our organisations. Our employees are part of society. They need and want exactly the same things as everybody else. They want good healthcare systems. They want good edu education, good transportation system, all of those things that the rest of our communities aspire to. So why uh, wouldn't we want to invest in that? Uh, and I think as well, uh, investors are obviously looking for a long-term return. Um, and then we'll get that if they're investing in businesses that will be around. Uh, so it makes perfect business sense to to try to be sustainable in that respect. It's interesting that companies are getting more strident, bolder about this. You know, we have that quote from the CEO at Unilever saying, you know, if you don't buy into a long-term value creation model that's equitable, shared, sustainable, don't invest with us. Now, that's a really surprising comment, isn't it? Wouldn't have had that five years ago, would we? I think it's probably a sentiment that uh, certainly was thought about quite a lot five years ago, but uh, clearly you know, the challenge of responding to the expectations of the stock market and investors' expectations, which tend to be quite short-term, have become very much more prominent in recent years with the uh, financial crisis and the challenge that uh, businesses face. So it's probably little surprise that CEOs are articulating that broader vision uh, a little more prominently than they used to. 
Yeah, and I, I guess also that CEOs are talking about their businesses in a different way. So actually, they're talking about their products and the services that they offer to customers in a very in a, through a different lens. And you could say that's through a CR lens. But actually, again, talking about their businesses and what makes them sustainable to attract investment, but also to be there for their customers in the long term. You know, they've, they've found that that's an important thing to do in good times and in bad. I think that's true. And certainly for IBM, we have long held the belief that we're not only a company that's there to make a profit, which absolutely is critical, but we're a company that's there trying to make a difference in the world and that we have that joint responsibility. So that concept, which is now being talked about of corporate social value, of that responsibility and that impact which goes beyond the bottom line and the contribution back to the shareholders is becoming far more prevalent, I think. So, I mean, obviously, IBM was a very kind of early adopter of the idea, I think, of corporate responsibility, wasn't it? It's um, something you, you've embraced for decades, not just recently. But would you say that you've really seen measurable benefits across that time? Or is it more that now, Generation Y, we hear so much about the fact they want meaningful work? Is that is that what's making the difference now? Tough to measure it. But, you know, we reached our centenary last year. Um, so having survived for 100 years, thrived for 100 years, we do attribute part of our success to the fact that we are seen as a trustworthy organisation, that a company that other people want to do business with. We're definitely seen as a company that people want to work for, that has strong values, a strong culture, that would treat its staff with respect, um, and that has that broader commitment to society, and that certainly attracts people to come and work for us. Um, it's about how we manage our supply chain and you know, making sure that our supply chain is well managed. Yeah, I mean, in essence, you're talking about the employer brand, and uh, I think you know, fundamentally, businesses are much more aware of the the need to to represent themselves in the wider world, uh, to especially to prospective staff and talent, uh, but also internally to retain quality people. So it's about authenticity, isn't it? Because most companies Very are talking about so. this stuff, aren't they? Yeah, um, and about engagement. It is, and I think it's important that organisations um, do it, as you say, authentically, um, making sure that, um, that their programmes are real and, and that staff believe in them and, and can see and can engage with them. So the way that you talk about programmes internally is as important as the way that they are reflected externally. Absolutely. I mean, it's not just reten uh, recruitment, but it's retention and critically motivation and morale and some of those issues that all organisations face and how do you engage people. I mean, IBM has changed very dramatically in the last decade or more. We've acquired a huge number of businesses in that period of time. Many people chose not to come and work for IBM or didn't choose IBM as their employer. They came in through mergers, acquisitions, etc. Um, so one of the things which does bring them together, which does unite them, is the values, the culture and the sense of contributing to something bigger than the bottom line and they everybody wants to work for an organization that they feel proud of i guess so you know some of the things that come through the cr agenda through the cr initiatives builds pride in the organization would you say that the definition has changed over time we used to always talk about csr now we seem to be talking about corporate responsibility it was very wrapped up in being green is it still about that is it about different things now marcus what do you say uh, well, I think I in five years' time, you won't find a CSR practitioner in the country. Um, I think it's a, a dying breed, uh, as much as it pains me to say it. Um, but fundamentally, um, 
it is becoming more mainstreamed, um, partly through cost pressure, but I think as well, um, HR teams in particular are waking up to the fact that really they ought to own this uh, or a lot of this stuff because it is fundamentally about the people that work within the business and, and the behaviours that those people have. Um, so yeah, the terminology doesn't help. It's a bit like the old debate um, when I first worked in HR. I was working in a welfare team and then it became personnel and then gradually HR and we played with human capital. And it, it found its way ultimately, but to think with CSR it's been the same sort of journey that uh, we've been on. I don't know if I really agree with that statement, actually. I suspect CSR managers or their equivalent, whatever they have to be called, will be around uh, and thriving in five years' time. Well, I mean, I originally, I hope, I hope people so. said <laughs> that you know CR, CSR was a sort of five-year wonder in the sort of 2000s. It's still there 15 years later, thriving. And frankly, you know, as quickly and as effectively as you deal with and address and tackle one issue and you embed it into the business, into the business strategy, a whole new set of challenges and issues emerge that need to be addressed and which, frankly, you very often don't sit comfortably in any one part of the organisation. Mm. I think I should just perhaps clarify, I think there'll always be a guardian, uh, a guardian role, whether that's an uh, you know, enlightened CEO that takes on the responsibility for it, but um, the, the rise of the Chief Sustainability Officer position, I think, is quite an interesting development because uh, it's placing more presence on the board than perhaps you know, the professions had in the past. Well, I think that's interesting because this question of where it sits is key to how well it performs, isn't it? And I think there is research, again, from the Institute of Business Ethics saying that if it sits with HR on occasion, it's not as successful because it's seen as peripheral and that it needs to sit deeper with the board. I mean, I don't know. What do you all think about that? Where should this be? In Ivy, I mean, it's sat it, during my 10 years in this job, it's sat in several different places. We've sat in research and development, we've sat in marketing, um, we've sat as an independent function. Um, I think what really matters is that there is organisational ownership and buy-in, not just at the CEO level, but from the executive board, uh, from middle management and from the staff. That there is a real sense of this being serious and important and part of who we are as an organisation. So how does it work at Aviva? I agree with you. I think it's important um, that it sits at the top of the organisation. So the tone from the, from the top, very important. We have a board CR committee, so our chairman, Aviva's chairman, and our group CEO sit on that committee, along with various um, of our non-exec directors and our group HR director. So that forms the, the, if you like, the committee. So tone from the top, very, very strong. A regular um, uh, item on the group execs agenda, but also all the way through the organisation. So what, we, what we're trying to do at Aviva is move from having a small number of people whose job it is to do CR to in engaging, if you like, 36,100 employees across Aviva so they understand it's what they do every day that makes Aviva a sustainable business. So I agree, tone from the top, really important, but what really matters is how we get partnerships and engagement and um, working with our employees across the business. So you're trying to proliferate this throughout Aviva, and obviously you know, that's a huge thing to do, and Aviva and IBM, very big companies. Perhaps in less enormous organisations, I'm wondering quite what HR's role should be in this, if, certainly if there isn't a dedicated CR team, I mean, should HR be bolder? Should they be acting as the conscience of the organisation, challenging behaviours and decision-making, you know, really making a play for this at board level? Is that how they, how they should be identifying themselves well, with this? Just, just to make a point, I suppose, the conundrum that exists is that an HR team fundamentally is designed to look at internal process and policy and 
uh, behaviours of the people that work within the organisation, uh, whereas a CSR role is looking internally, but it also has very much an external-facing view of the world, obviously, the world you work in and the, the stakeholders in that business. So there, there's always that, um, if you like, knowledge gap, I think, that will exist within HR team. Do you think in a modern HR team? Because surely they look externally as well. I mean, when they talk, well, you, we I talk about issues like authenticity, I mean, they must be alive to the perception of the organisation beyond. I think there is an element of that, but, I mean, fundamentally, they are the, the guardians of the workforce. So, uh, I mean, having being in, uh, in HR and doing a CSR role within an HR team, what used to excite the HR professionals I worked alongside were things like building into incentive plans, uh, looking at learning and development, looking at recruitment, retention, um, staff volunteering opportunities. If I went and talked to them about uh, sort of broader, I don't know, green agenda issues, they, their eyes would glaze over because it wasn't you know, something they weren't necessarily interested in. Is that still the case, would you say? I would argue that... HR practitioners, if they're effective HR practitioners, are part of the CSR mix because actually getting things like your pay and conditions, your basics right, how you treat staff, how you engage them, how you lead, develop their leadership capabilities, um, all a part of positioning the organisation to develop, to build, to grow. And if you take a view that you know, the role of HR is strategic and it is part of that core management team that helps the organisation progress, then HR are an essential part of the CSR mix. Yes, and of course looking at it in, in that way does make the whole CR issue a more measurable entity, doesn't it? You know, they provide the metrics which enable the board to say, well, actually, yes, we're seeing a return on this. And, you know, frankly, if you, you know, every day in the news at the moment, we hear about the issue of bonus payments. So is that an HR issue or is that a CSR issue? Where do you draw the line? And I think I think what's important, go back to partnerships import, important and relationships within the business. So, you know, I sit as part of the HR team in a CR role and my background is, is HR. So we tend to do it much more as a partnership and we work together along with our other um, marketing colleagues, for instance, on some of our cause-related marketing um, work that we do. So I think partnership's really important and not worrying too much about whose role is it, but working together to, to achieve the overall the aim that you have is, is much more important. Is the big conflict here that businesses largely, obviously with honourable exceptions, do take a very short-term view and that CR by its very nature must be long-term? Uh, I've been banging on about the fact that uh, businesses fundamentally need 50-year business plans. Um, 50 years? 50-year business obviously plans. Obviously most of them don't, do they? Most of them work into no, five if you're lucky. they work into five years, which um, is, is just a fabrication that's linked to the political process, you know, the political cycle. Um, and uh, it's partly down to the fact that we, none of us believe we're going to die, so none of us believe that anything untoward will happen to us in the future. Uh, but I think if businesses started to, to think more long-term about what will be there after they've retired as individuals, then uh, perhaps it will uh, it will change the perception of people within the business if they're actually taking more of a long-term view. Does this mean that by its very nature this will be the province of big organisations? Because obviously Aviva, IBM, you do know you're going to be here in 50 years, all things being equal. Smaller organisations perhaps don't have that stance, do they? Lots of small organisations do something that we might describe as corporate social responsibility, uh, but they may not use that jargon. They may not use that language. Uh, there are a myriad of small businesses up and down the country whose staff get involved in charity fundraising activities, donate goods to local causes, uh, try and help their environment. So, yes, they're doing it, 
they may not have a paid professional managing that and they may not use the jargon, they're still doing it. I, I just think taking a, a long-term view is important. I mean, we, we look on it that our relationships with our customers can last 40, 50 years through the savings and investment phases of their lives and essentially they buy a promise from us, a promise that we'll be there for them in the long term. So I think sustainability is so wrapped up in what we do as a business and the service that we provide and that will be true for many organisations whether they be small or large organisations. You know, you look at the services that are provided and those are the things that tend to drive um, the long term view I guess. But I think it's an artificial distinction, short or long term realities. You can do both, it's not an either or option. So you can do some very effective, short term, very simple, very good things, useful things to do. Um, you can make changes about the way you manage and organise your business, which are done relatively quickly but have an enduring impact. You can engage with your communities on a relatively short-term basis, as well as having that broader, longer-term perspective. I was just going to pick up a point, uh, a point you made, Mark, about smaller businesses actually doing CSR. I think fundamentally for smaller businesses it's actually in some respects easier because the, the communication uh, of a program can be very simple. I mean, someone can literally walk around an office and say, let's all go out and do something. Um, and actually, in many respects, larger businesses, whilst they might have the structures and, and the teams there to do things, um, quite often the internal communications processes slow things down. So we're about running out of time, but I'm interested to just get your, your thoughts looking forward. It sounds from what you've been saying that you're all relatively optimistic about the prospects for corporate responsibility, still beyond the boardroom agenda in 10, 20, 30 years' time. Well, I know I've said that we won't exist in five years' time, <laughs> <laughs> but I would say I was optimistic. I think that there will be, um, there will definitely be a very strong agenda, and whether there's someone with the job title CSR manager that's, that's driving that is debatable, but uh, it will certainly be around in 20, 30, 40 years' Marie, time. Marie, I agree. I think it will be around. Definitely. Uh, uh, you know, to give you an example of why it will still matter and an example of emerging issues, we now have the technology and the capability potentially to screen our future employees for genetically inherited diseases and their propensity for things like depression and so on and so forth. Um, so IBM has actually anticipated that and we've now passed a corporate policy saying that we will never discriminate in terms of our employment practice on the basis of people's genetic data very forward thinking. Most organisations probably haven't yet quite got to that point in their thinking, uh, but it will be upon us very shortly. Well, I think that's a really interesting point, Nick, and neatly illustrates just how, how far and how fast this issue is moving. Thanks to all my guests today, Mark Wakefield from IBM, Marie Sixworth from Aviva, and Marcus Jameson Pond. As always, for more information, look at our show notes. You'll find them at cipd.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Next month, we'll be exploring learning and development innovation and the latest thinking. You're listening to the CIPD podcast series.